Welcome to another episode of the Relax Just Love podcast, vegan edition. I have the pleasure to be uh, sitting with, well, sitting, virtually sitting with Seb Alex. He is an animal rights activist and a speaker. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Thank you for inviting me. You got to thank, we got to thank, uh, as we were saying before the podcast, we got to thank Zara for that. Or sorry, the super Swede for uh, <laughs> for people that follow her online, but she's the one that recommended we speak together. Yeah, she's amazing. I'm happy she did. Yeah, uh, me, me too. I think she wanted you to give me hair advice. I think that was <laughs> her goal behind this all. <laughs> so where are you, where are you right now? Because I know you're, um, you're from Lebanon. And yeah. you've been all over the world from what I was seeing. You've uh, been all over Europe, but you've probably been to the US too. But where, where, are, you, where are you at right um, now? Yeah, I've, I was based in, in Europe for a few years. I never managed to go to the States. I actually got my visa rejected twice. Um, and um, that's why I never tried to go to Canada because I was like, they're never going to let me in after the US <laughs> rejecting oh, yeah, they me. Will. Oh, yeah, they um, will. Yeah, all my Canadian friends were like, oh, no, we're not like that. We will let you in. Um, they were so offended. Like, how dare you compare us to the Americans? They have Trump. Um, I'm in Indonesia at the moment. I've been based here for around two and a half years now. Oh, you like it? I love it. It's amazing. I, I'm actually almost angry that I didn't move here straight away instead of moving to Europe. Oh, seriously, you like I, I only hear good things about it, so I would believe you. Yeah. Well, it's it's like everything I had in Europe, I have here better and cheaper, and I don't face any racism on a day-to-day basis. Was it Can't that bad break. in Europe? Um, not every day as bad, but every couple of days something would happen that would remind me that yeah, you're you're not really from here, are you? <laughs> Um, but I, I do have brown privilege in Indonesia, so I'm I'm used to that now, and I don't want to leave it. <laughs> brown privilege, that's funny. Yeah. The where I gotta ask you, I made fun of it, but where does the hair come from? That's crazy. <laughs> that is absolutely craziness. Your hair is very long. Yeah, isn't? it's it's been a while. I um, when I was 16, I was introduced to Bob Marley. As ah, he, there we go. As this kind of sound, and um, I got really obsessed, and I wanted to get dreads. And my parents didn't let me at the time. My school would have never allowed it in the first place. And then the last year of school, when I was eighteen, I started growing my hair. And a friend of mine was like, "Don't dread it. You have very curly hair. The second it grows long enough, it's gonna dread by itself." And I didn't believe my friend. And um, at the time I had huge fights with the principal of the school. And then at the end, she was like, listen, I've yelled at you in front of others. So I can't take my word back now. Cut it once. And then I won't ask you to cut it again until the end of the year. And I was like, okay, we got a deal. So I cut my hair for the last time um, when I was 18, when I had just turned 18. And I'm 31 now after 13 years. My What my friend said definitely happened within like, 11 months 10 months my hair was already dreading because i have curly hair and yeah i haven't cut it since you haven't cut your hair in what like 15 years 13 13 years well soon to in next month it will be 14 that's crazy i shave my head every day (laughs) that is the (laughs) that's like the complete completely opposite you before the podcast we i didn't think we would be speaking about this but what the hell uh you're a fan of russell peters yes that's funny for somebody that's never been to canada or to the u.s you actually know who russell peter is he even came to lebanon he has a whole sketch about lebanon you have to watch i'll send you the link (laughs) it's really good i'll educate you about russell peters (laughs) how'd you discover him um, uh, actually, oh man, uh, a Lebanese Armenian Canadian friend of mine. <laughs> makes sense. That makes sense. He, yeah, he was like, yeah, "You gotta watch this one," and it was it was one of the old ones. Where it's like Russell, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Russell, that's somebody gonna get real hurt. 
<laughs> and um, yeah, ever since then, I, I, I haven't watched any of his stuff recently, but yeah, I, I find him really funny. It's not the same anymore. I've watched every single thing he's ever done. And the first, the, the one you're talking about, the, it's original from his first show that he had on Comedy Central. Yeah. He was wearing baggy pants, baggy shirt. You can tell that he still lived with his parents, type of deal. <laughs> but it's his best show. It's it's when it's yeah. more raw. It's very raw. You, there's a lot exactly. of passion. No, I was yeah. he's he's my favorite. He was my favorite comedian for a very very long time. Do do you watch anyone now? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't watch a lot of TVs. I'm a big movie buff. Like I yeah. love movies, but man, stand up. I'll give you a name. Who? Who you got? I'm writing it down. Who you got? Andrew Schultz. Andrew Schultz. Why does oh that sound familiar? This guy is like, take um, the the worst that you can imagine of being politically incorrect. Yeah. And put it in one person. Oh, but, but that's great. And, and he's white from New York. So like... <laughs> It's already like, oh, he should have been canceled from day one. But you know why he's, he doesn't get canceled? Because he, even though he makes all these jokes, first of all, he's, he's really good in, in improv. You know, what he does is people come sit and everyone who sits in the front row, it's like they are there to be like bashed by Andrew. They know, they know. And it's a part of the show. Like if you do that on purpose um, and most like a lot of his crowd is um, like black people, Arabs, you know, Jews mix, always mix. Um, and the way he does all the jokes is, is so open and he does it so comfortably that you would never think that he's actually racist or sexist or something like that. It, it's the opposite. And he, and he owns it and he doesn't like, um, can I swear? Like I, I don't uh, know. You, you can do whatever you want. Uh, uh, not swear, but I was I was basically gonna say he doesn't bullshit. You know, like he's he's like straight up, like he he lets it out. Um, and at the same time, the reason why he doesn't get canceled is because you know he's actually against racism and everything. So if he makes a a, a joke based on race, you're not gonna go like, oh, he's a racist because he's obviously not not a racist. But at the same time, he offers something that everyone else is afraid of offering jokes based on bad things and people just love it because people miss that you know and um man uh i have gone like i've watched almost every single video i think i've watched every single video he has um on youtube i'll send you one of my uh, some of my favorites absolutely i'm a for before covid i would go to stand-up comedy so I'm a big fan of live performer and I'm, I'm the guy that's going to be in front. I want to get teased. I'm all yeah. good with that. Yes. I love it. <laughs> love it. The, the, the thing, you know, Alan Watts. Yes. He has a skit. I just, I'm a big fan of Alan Watts. When I walk, when I work outside the house, I always bring the speaker and I put his lectures and I just do what I'm doing while listening to it. And I was listening to a video where he talks about the, the place of the Joker how mm-hmm. like it started as the jester like the yeah. like we say in, in french yeah. and it, it's funny because you said people are are not doing this anymore because it is the job of a comedian to make fun of very serious stuff just yeah. to show you how unserious it actually is we make it serious but it is not serious mm-hmm. but it takes for lack of a better term it takes balls to yeah, be a white guy from New York and make fun yes. and point out when Russell Peters does it, as you were saying, he has brown privilege, as as I learned <laughs> earlier from what you said. But it's easier for an Indian guy to do yeah. jokes about everybody. For a white guy from New York, oof, you're playing with yeah. fire. But and and that's the thing. Like I think he he does it so easily and openly that you don't even think about getting offended or something because that's his thing, you know? And and all those minorities who attend his show, it's like, they're like, please, come on, do something to me, you know? <laughs> Say something to me, let's laugh about it. And as someone who grew up in Lebanon, I really identify with that because our way, like our coping mechanism with all the stuff that happened in Lebanon while growing up was humor. Like, I remember at one point when I was in school, there were so many explosions happening that there was a Facebook group called boom, like the sound of an explosion. And then three dots. And then it says, do we have class tomorrow? 
because if it's an explosion and only like citizens died, we would have class. But if a politician died, they would have to close down the schools the next day. So our first reaction was always like, <laughs> do we have school tomorrow? Is it a politician? <laughs> and and I don't know, like it's it's just even I'm going to give an example of how messed up this coping mechanism can be sometimes. I was in Lebanon um, last August, last year, uh, when the explosion happened in the port of Beirut. Third or fourth biggest explosion in human history. Uh So the first two are the nuclear explosions. The third one, I think, is in Halifax. Some reports are saying this is um, stronger, uh, or some reports are saying Halifax was stronger. So third or fourth strongest explosion in human history. 300,000 people homeless in, in like six seconds. Yep. And um, more than 215 people dead. <clears throat> Ridiculous amount of destruction and PTSD and trauma and everything you can imagine. I am in a shop buying bulk food um, for food distribution that we were doing um, for those who, who were homeless. This guy comes in. Um, the, the guy sitting in the shop, the, 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 the person who owns the shop, has wounds all over his face arm everything because he sits next to a window so the window blew up in his face the guy who comes in another customer pays with like a fifty thousand bill which is at the time it was around twenty dollars um he takes the fifty thousand and it's like completely like it's it's messed up you know like it's all like wrinkled you know kind of ripped and he looks at him he's like where the hell did you get me this fifty thousand from the port explosion and they all start laughing and i was like like your wounds aren't even healed yet. And you're already, and then everyone's like, oh, look at this bill is from the port, you know? <laughs> There's people still missing and you're already making jokes about it. And, and then I think 10 days later, there was a huge fire at the port again and everyone was evacuating the area. Someone posted it and they were like, I don't get it. Is this a port or a barbecue? Like... <laughs> that's how we deal with 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 negativity you know that's our coping mechanism and 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 that's why i appreciate stand-up comedians who can still actually joke about bad things because it it gives that space to like laugh a bit you know but it's good though you have to have a sense of humor about about everything really because what are you gonna do we're all gonna die one day yeah so what you want to live serious your whole life and not enjoy (laughs) it might as well enjoy it there's always yeah. something funny about everything that goes, well, I don't want to say everything because some things are not funny at all, but most of the things have a very funny, Yeah, there, there's a funny angle to most things, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll give you like a, a very horrible example of something that happened and still someone managed to make a joke. Um but but do wait till till the till you hear the joke because obviously in the beginning you're gonna be like what the hell is he talking about? Um, so uh, this year in February my my father got hospitalized um, with COVID and he passed away. He was very healthy. He was 62. Um, he had no medical conditions and it was obviously, I mean this was the worst thing that has ever happened to me. A few days after, um, I'm standing with my brother and. We were just talking and he just shook his head like this. And I said, what? He said, I lost the last chess game with him. <laughs> and I was like, are you? F-? And he's, he's, like, <laughs> he's like, what the fuck, man? Like the last chess game I lost. And, and I looked at him and I was like, I won the last chess game against him. And I have a video of it. You know? <laughs> and, and that's the thing, like in those moments, you know, obviously you can make a joke around the subject you know but it doesn't necessarily mean that what happened was funny it just means that you're able to still to still laugh you know to still laugh like if my father could hear us at that moment he'd be pissing his pants laughing you know like yeah i i I got him the last game so um yeah humor is important it's it's a beautiful thing what you just said there to actually those well funny enough today there's a you know, your phone tells you memories of pictures you've taken. I'm on Google. Yeah. So it yeah. reminds me. And it re- today I had a reminder of my, I'm a big fan of dogs. I've had about eight or nine dogs in my life. And mm. he was my an, a big American bulldog, 120 pounds of muscle. Like he's, wow. his, his neck was like 22 inches. 
he was a monster. God. But the biggest baby, you know, sorry, not, yeah. 20, not 22 inches, 28 inches. Him and I had, his neck was the size of my waist when I fought, when I was in on a dive. Wow. But there's a picture that showed up of my dad, which died six years ago. And my dog died six years ago. And it's the last picture that I have from them. All I see of my dad is a hand and half a body that's petting him. But I laughed when I saw that today, put a big smile on my face. Yeah, exactly. Yes, the two people that on that picture are dead. But that picture just showed up on my on my phone just like that, just to remind me yeah. that, a smile, right? Definitely. Good for you. It it's very important. I, I'm a big joker in real life. I like to poke fun at people, poke fun at myself. <laughs> There's uh there but there are subjects that are not funny at all, like what you do kind of I don't know if you do it for a living, but I, I would imagine so. How, yeah, activism. Yeah. How did that start? <laughs> How, where did where did the the idea come so, from? I I actually went vegan around uh, almost eight years ago, and okay. the, the day I went vegan, I also watched two documentaries. One called "When a Tree Falls" and another called "Behind the Mask." Behind the Mask is about the animal liberation front. When a Tree Falls is about the Earth Liberation Front. Both direct action activism groups, and at the time, it really like hit me like, wow, these people are badass, you know. And then a year later, I saw photos of British activists in the metro um, showing footage of Earthlings, a documentary I had seen, which was one of the reasons why I went vegan. And I it's was like, the wow. Reason, it's the reason. Yeah. I haven't ate meat since I've seen Earthlings really? about 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know how powerful it is. Oh, and yeah. um, I saw those photos and I was like, yeah, why, why am I not doing that? Because obviously it's, it's it's good that I'm not paying for animals to be killed, but that's not enough. Like I have to be active about it. I have to raise awareness. And so I did a quick like Facebook search of other vegans in Barcelona and I joined them. And that's how I started doing activism. And we were active for a while, but then the group we had kind of um, got inactive. And a few years after, um, maybe two years later, I um, I started organizing activism events myself. At the time I was <clears throat> working... Um, as an architect, because that's my background. That's what I've studied. And um, it got to a point where I was seeing so much impact in the in activism that I just didn't want to be at work eight hours a day. Because I was like, I'm just sitting behind the screen working on something I'm not even interested in because um, I was working for like a corporate company, uh, making some really rich guy even richer um, and not helping the animals at all. And I could, I can, but might as well, use this time to do something better. So I quit my job and um, I had very little money at the time. I took out my savings, bought a camera and I started doing activism. And I, I launched a Patreon page, which is similar to crowdfunding, but on a monthly basis, um, people, well, people can still do one-time donations, but it's more like if they see any value in what I do, they can donate like anywhere, anywhere from $1 a month. And I thought, you know, if I get enough support, then good. If I don't, then I'll just apply for a job like as a waiter or something and just continue doing activism. Um, and um, it worked. I I had like a few first tough months, um, but it definitely uh, caught up. And since then, that was um, almost four years ago now, I've been doing this uh, full time. So for the, four, the, the past four years, you've been doing activism day in day out this is your patreon yeah. is what is maintaining your lifestyle if i can say it that way i don't uh yeah it's allowing yeah, it you is. to do the activism yeah it, yeah it, it is my income basically that that's how i survive that is interesting good for you for for quitting everything because from what i gather you were uh, uh an architect in uh, specialized in sustainability right yeah, so I did my master's uh, project on sustainable architecture, and yeah. um, I worked in a company that was uh, like specialized in infrastructure and like hospitals and things like that. And um, I even remember uh, when I got promoted, I was um, head of the international projects because we had six or seven offices around the world. And one day I got an email from the office in Panama and they're like, hey, we need your help with this project. And they send me the details. And I look at the plan, you know, because like they show you a 2D plan of how the like distribution of the building is. And I start reading the names. It was a university. 
the names of the functions of each room or area. And suddenly I, I read snakes, reptiles, lab, euthanasia. And I was like, this is an animal experimentation lab. So I'll, my boss used to sit next to me and I told him, can we talk? He's like, yeah, what's up? I said, conference room, please. And we go to the conference room. He's like, yeah, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm vegan. And he's looking at me like, what is going on with this guy? And I was like, well, did you see the email from Panama? He's like, no, what's going on? Is everything okay? I said, well, the project involves an animal experimentation lab and I'm not vegan for health reasons. Like I'm vegan for ethical reasons and I'm against that. I don't feel comfortable working on this project. And he immediately was like, sure, okay, we'll give it to someone else. And I was like, great. And I was like, no, not great. Don't give it to anyone. Like, <laughs> don't we have any ethics? And he straight up looked at me in the eye and he said, do you actually think we have any ethics in this company? And I was like really shocked hearing that. And he said, those hospitals you built in Senegal, you actually think Senegal can afford 3,500 euros per square meter? It's all money laundering. And I was like, wow, you don't even try to hide it. And that was the day where I was like, I'm definitely not comfortable working here. You know, like this is not the type of company I want to bring um, growth to. I, I hope they go bankrupt, you know? So that definitely pushed me into taking the decision to stop doing that. Good for you for living your morals more uh... Most yeah. people, you know what? Good on you for following your morals. Good on him for being honest. I gotta give yeah, him credit as well. I, I gotta give him credit because I'm I'm in business. That's I, I work in a business field, and sorry to say it this way, but people are full of shit. Yeah, people are really yeah. really hypocrites, and they think they're they're doing good when they're not. At least you got you might not like what your ex boss does, but you gotta respect the fact that yeah, he'll say it as it is. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But good for you for um, for standing on your on your morals to believing in it. Because I'm a vegan, and it has nothing to do with health reason. It's a happy accident. Don't get me wrong. I'm very happy about it. But it's because I animals don't deserve to be tortured for, especially considering today how easily accessible yeah. it is. Yeah. It's not 12, 15, 20 years ago where you had to eat salad. There's yeah. <laughs> uh, you have a lot of options today to not That's eat true. meat, right? How uh, I, I I gotta ask you because I'm uh, I won't lie to you I'm not an activism I'm not into activism I I believe that uh, I'll I influence all the people around me that are not vegan because of me they eat a lot less meat without me saying anything they just see me eat and they're like why well, he looks the way he does and he doesn't need to eat it maybe maybe I can no but seriously. Because yeah. most people think that you become vegan, you go from 200 pounds to 120 pounds soaking wet, right? Yeah. Um, what do you believe is the best way to, I'll use your word, you said educate. I don't remember if it was before or during the podcast, but what do you think is the best way to educate uh, not meat eaters, if I, if I can call them that yeah. way, about veganism? So, I think, um, and I would have to disagree with you that you're not an activist. And I'm actually working on a project to... <laughs> and I know where you're going with this. <laughs> to show you why that is wrong. There is no one perfect way or best way to educate vegan. I think the best way is the way that you are best at. Yes. So maybe your best way is to not call yourself an activist, but be, be kind of influencing people. That is still activism. You know, Maybe they're not going to be like afraid of you, because it, it doesn't say activist, but you're still you're still active. You're you're raising awareness about it in some way. You're influencing others. That is activism. Doing a podcast is activism. And do you know when you'll publish this episode? Uh, three, two weeks, three weeks. Not next week, but the week okay. after. If, if you do it in three weeks, yeah, then I'll share this. And well, actually, it's okay. You can you can share it before. Um, but I'm. I'm launching my my podcast on the 1st of September. Good for you. And it's called Principles of Change. And the whole reason I started it is I get people who are activists, yeah. not in the way that we think of activism, to show people that activism is not what I do or yeah. grassroots street activists do. That is only one type. So I have like politicians, um, 
restaurant owners. Um, I I actually have Damien Mander on. Um, I'm interviewing him in in a few hours after this podcast. Um, so I'm I want to normalize yeah. activism and show people like, hey, stop thinking that to be an activist you have to be outside a slaughterhouse or on the street, you know, or in a farm. There are so many ways you can be active, and I I want to start a project to do that because I think uh, people tend to think that one way is better than the other. Mm-hmm. But I believe the way that is best is for you to look inside and see, all right, what do I have that I can offer to this movement? All right. Maybe, maybe you, your way is cooking, you know, you're going to be a chef, you know, you're going to influence people with your food. Maybe your way is um, doing street activism or doing podcasts or writing a book. Um, so definitely I would always say, look at what you're best at and what you can put on the table for the movement and go all the way. I knew you were going to say that as soon as you said, I knew you were going to say that because this podcast is only, I only speak to vegan and I hope I speak in a way where non-vegans can learn something from it. Because I don't believe personally, for me, I don't learn if somebody's screaming at me. If you're screaming at me, telling me I should do this, I should do that. I don't learn that way. But if you show me the benefit of something if you showed me because i got a feeling that i don't know maybe you know i'll ask you the question uh, from your experience how many people do you think uh, become vegan for an ethical reason and for um, health reason because i think there's more and more people becoming yes health is the because number of one. health not yeah. for animal not for animal rights what yeah would you there, say? there was statistics somewhere i'm trying to remember where it was but health is the first category of, yeah. of people um switching to plant-based foods um i'll try to find it i have it somewhere um but um ethics is unfortunately not the main one but i think i think that's completely f- like it's not fine i would rather ethics be the number one reason but if health is what's working then then fine like i'm i'm not against that you know it's still good Um, and some people may start with health and then they switch to something else. But some people may start with the environment, like Lewis Hamilton. He reaches tens of millions of people every single like week with his social media. He went uh, vegan for environmental reasons. He watched Cowspiracy and then he found the ethical side and he became an ethical vegan. So it's, it's still good. Any reason to eat less meat or not eat it at all or not participate in it whatsoever? I personally, I don't care. I don't care yeah. why you stop, but it, it shows to me, it shows something. I'm a very spiritual person and mm. I was thinking about it the other day and veganism is part of my spiritual journey. There's no yeah. way I could, this is how I became, I, I started reading on Buddhism 12 years ago mm. is on vegan based. Like I'm reading through Buddhism. And I'm like, well, how can I torture animals? That makes zero sense. It may, how can I believe in that and still do that? It makes no sense. So I hope more and more people, because ethics is part of it. it, I don't do it for the health at all, at all, at all, at all. Yeah. But again, happy side effect. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's like an extra that comes with it. Yeah. Like, here you go. That's, You're going to be healthy now. Healthy. Here's a here's a golden star for your action. It's like a little star <laughs> yeah. at school. How was it to, because um, I was reading on you before the podcast and you did like, you, you did like 50 talk in universities mm-hmm. in school around, I have it noted down. So you went Germany, Switzerland, Belgium, Netherlands, UK, and Portugal. Yeah. How was that to speak to young minds? It was... Um... In my experience, the most effective type of activism I've ever done. Um, mm. And that's why I immediately switched to concentrating on that. And I had around 80 invitations in 2020. I started, I did 10 of them and then the pandemic started. So everything got canceled. Um, but it was so powerful because people join because they want to learn that. They want to hear about that. They're also quite young and they're like sponges. Like they want to absorb information. And they also don't have that many years of conditioning. So they're they're much easier to change. And what I used to do is after each talk, um, the, either I or the teachers would send uh, a link to do an anonymous uh, like survey of the talk in which I asked like before the talk, um, what was your um, habit? Like, were you vegan, non-vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, whatever? 
And then after the talk, what are some actions you want to take? Um, um, any good things or bad things about the talk so I can have some feedback as well. And I think it was like 60% of all attendees were like, I want to get active for the animals and the environment. Like they were full on. And I've had so many people go vegan from these lectures. There was one school, almost 190 students, I think, um, around 16 years old. And they were, with, I finished the talk and I was not so sure how, how they were, like how they took it. And at the end, I had 16 people around me and they all said like, oh, we're, we're all going vegan. And we took a group photo together. And I remember, I think it was like a year and a half later, I'm sitting at, at an activism workshop. I get a notification on PayPal that I, I received a donation. Um, like actually a, a, a one-time donation, I think it was around $150, which is really amazing. You know, I, I never get a one-time donation like that. And I, I open it and I find an email along like a message. You know, when you transfer on PayPal, you find a, like a, you can put a message. And apparently it was the birthday of one of the students who had invited me, who had talked to the administration of the school to invite me uh, as a speaker. And they all gathered money together and they bought her a beautiful tree, her favorite tree and something else as well, I think. And they had this leftover money and they took a class decision to donate, like literally not only a few vegans, a full on class decision, many of whom had either gone vegan or changed their habits after my talk to donate the rest of that money to my activism. And I looked at my friend and I showed him the phone and he looked at me and I had like tears going down my face. Like, this is what keeps me going, you know, like 17 year olds, you know, who thinks about that? 17 year old, like $150, let's party. You know, you're 17, you like go shopping. I don't know. Like that's what <clears throat> most 17 year olds would do. But to, it, for me to hear that it was a class decision to do that, it was just, it, it was that was so much more than the amount that was donated that the message itself was just amazing. So I think lectures in schools and universities are really, really powerful. And I even had few schools in Portugal where the second I finished, they were like, can you please come again next year? Like we want you to come every year. So um, I'm waiting for this pandemic to end so I can get back to that. Do you, does that make you realize how powerful words can be? when you have 17 year olds that would rather give you money than go partying do you realize yeah. that 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 says a lot about the way you deliver your message as well you're probably very emotional i, I got a feeling you're an emotional person <laughs> so you're probably very emotional yeah. in the way you speak at those talks yeah. there that says It's, a lot um... about you man if you're capable of getting those kids to To, pro, to, to participate, to allow you to do what you do. You have to take a bit of credit for that, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like the, the university and school lectures really made me feel like <clears throat> I, found, I found my thing. You know, I, I, I love, love and see value in all types of activism. Street activism is what I did most, but nothing could ever be compared. Like I used to do four hours on the street. Four hours, that's two schools, you know? Two schools, each school, at least 100 students. That's 200 people listening to me for 45 minutes. In the street, at the end, you're like, okay, four hours, 12, 15 people took it seriously. That's nothing. You don't even have like a backup, like a survey that you're sending, getting feedback, you know, understanding what they enjoyed most, what, what, they, what they saw that is missing, let's say, or, or how much they change. And it's, it's really something that... I, I, I was thinking like, I wish I could have a group of people trained to do these talks because there's no shortage. Like uh, there is a shortage of people doing this, you know, and no shortage of universities and schools. So if somebody's listening to this and they want to do that, please go ahead and do it. You know what? It's uh, I'm writing this down because this is... Um... One of, as we were saying before, before the podcast, I work in sales, so I'm used to being in front of people doing presentation. And yeah, maybe, maybe I should, should look do into, it. Yeah, maybe I should look into that. 
yeah, and definitely. sell it. But I'd probably sell it a different way in a way that I'd I'd I'm a sports yeah. guy. I've I've competed in basketball and then I fought as an amateur in Muay Thai. So I would sell similar to Game Changer. I would sell yeah. the athletic. I'm 40 years old and I'm in better shape than 99% of 20 year olds. Wow. So you're 40? Yeah, man. I'm gonna be 40 oh in God. like uh four months. And March. you ripped like like I, I mean I can't see you very well, but you you <laughs> can you flex? Yeah. Oh my god, dude. So so that's Dude, that, that's one thing. I was, I, I was talking about this with a friend of mine. How we look, whether we like it or not, mm-hmm. leaves an impression on people. Of course. No, no one wants to say or like it's a good thing. We're not arguing whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's, it, 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 it leaves an impression. Mm-hmm. And what I felt, and I, I've been actually working out now for one month straight every single day because I have time. Um, it's in my schedule. And one of the reasons is because when you enter a hall to give a lecture and you're built the way you are and you need let's say 100 points you're starting at 25 because you didn't even start talking but they heard enough they can't question health nutrients muscle building like it's it's in front of you you know so definitely if if yeah your background is in doing presentations and and being in the business area and everything you you have it built in you so and you have built it on you as well so (laughs) go ahead and do it and especially in sports because i think as i was saying earlier um one of the things i i'm a big fan of influencing a small amount of people in a process that say that takes a lifetime for example the all the the processes that are worth having are going to take time but once the the ball gets rolling they're unstoppable because they're not being forced down by the government's legislation they're not telling you what to do you know you see other people and you're like oh okay i think they're up to something i should inquire those are the people i want to talk to and if i can go to a university and say to basketball players to whatever sports you're playing that i can show you a way to have no inflammation in your body to recuperate faster, to be leaner just Mm. by changing what you eat. And not only will your skin be softer, the women will like you even better. Like you no, but it's true. There is a glow that you get when you're healthy, when you're eating healthy. Yeah. There's, there's, um, so there's ways to approach it in a positive way. Man, I never Mm. thought about that before. Yeah takes an activist to start another one i guess what the hell and you know what <clears throat> i was um i met up with a guy here in indonesia um yeah. him and his girlfriend are crossfit um, yeah. athletes mm-hmm. and this guy works out i think he does 16 workouts a week yeah all right he that, that's literally what he does like all the time he's working out and i was telling him like what about rest like don't you rest He's like, yeah, every now and then, uh, instead of working out, I cycle for 100 kilometers. Like, that's his rest day. Um, And they went to the most famous gym for a competition. Boyfriend, girlfriend, both wearing vegan t-shirts, both got first place. That is badass activism. The name of the girl's not Tui, right? Yes, that's her. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) You follow her. Podcast I did on this uh, series is with Tui, the CrossFit, no way. the, the yeah, vegan yeah, CrossFit yeah. girl. Her and her boyfriend yeah. are, are animals. Literally, exactly. they're animals. Exactly. They're they're. Oh my god! Like that is funny. What are the chances? That is <laughs> awesome. That is so funny. I, I worked out with him like yeah. three days ago, and um, he was like, "Yo, um, when you're doing squats, go lower." And he said, "Take off some weights, go lower." And I was like, "Sure." And I took it off. I went lower. I'm still sore. <laughs> and I was like, that's the power of working out with him. He doesn't stop. Like he is next level. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing way of activism. And the gym where they did that, there is this hardcore carnivore and eating meat mentality. So they went there together wearing the vegan t-shirts and they got first place both. They don't even have to open their mouths. Like enough said, drop the mic, leave, you know? <laughs> It's, oh, yeah. uh, it's the same mentality in uh, fighting. 
very, very meat oriented, very heavy, heavy meat oriented, like really? white fish with no, with nothing on it. Chicken people eat it. It's like a Bible chicken, broccoli, yeah. fish and broccoli. It's the Bible of any fighter. And that's so to go in there with, get your ass kicked by a guy that's wearing a vegan shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have thought about that. That's Are there good. any videos of that? I want to see that. No, I wish yeah, I thought of your fights. I never thought no. about that. That would have been a great idea, though, to wear uh, vegan shirts because I'm a I'm a big fan of pink. All of my gear, yeah. all of my my boxing gloves for the past 10 years, I've all been bright pink. Really? And my guards when I train when I train are bright pink. And how many people no have seen me wearing that? And they're like, "Wow, that's uh, sorry for the language, but that's kind of gay what you're wearing there." I'm like, "Okay, yeah. what's worse, wearing pink or getting your ass kicked by a guy wearing pink?" <laughs> man wow that's amazing I, i just opened your your page and yeah i can see the the pink shorts your, but your hold on uh, I, i'm gonna post a video tomorrow morning yeah uh, I, i found again it's a memory that popped up on my phone i'm a big fan of sweep i don't know if you know muay thai but i'm a big fan of uh catching hands or catching feet and then mm-hmm. scooping your your legs so you go flying in the air Yeah. And I was teaching a class and one of my students asked me to show him a sweep, like a, a, a sweep you get from somebody kicks you to the body. You just absorb it. You cross the leg. Yeah. So now the guy is stuck on one leg and his other leg is stuck up. So you just tap him in the chest as you're scooping the back leg. And I'm doing that wow. to a guy that's like six foot three, 220, 230 oh pounds. God. And he just goes flat in the air and just falls to the mat. <laughs> Watch it tomorrow. It's awesome. It's that sweep is beautiful. amazing. Amazing. But I wish I think you're right. You're gonna, you know what? I'm very happy you and I speak you and I spoke because I never thought about it. The activism that way. Technically, I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. Yeah. By association, that's not the plan, but I'm only speaking to vegan. That's the podcast is really for my goal be to change the idea of non-people. So god damn it, I'm actually doing somewhat activism. <laughs> yeah, you screwed with my head on this one. I never thought about that. <laughs> the um I think we've been going for like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. It's yeah. uh gotta That's say right. man you're uh you're a blast to speak to you're yeah I, sorry wow i hit that hard um where where in canada are you because i am hoping that i can come to canada um when all this thing ends. montreal montreal all right cool i already have friends there and I'm, i'm for sure gonna go there so i also saw you have a kawasaki bike yeah i have uh yeah kyle R. yeah i uh... i just got a klx yeah like the dirt bike um because i i used to rent one here um like like just a moped for like 40 bucks 40 bucks a month that's what you pay for rental here um so i thought you know i've been i've been staying here for a while and i've spent a lot of money on rental and this one was like thousand two hundred dollars and i can sell it back easily for a thousand two hundred when the time comes so i was like i'm just gonna invest in one And dude, that is just, oh my God. <laughs> I I got my, funny enough, I got my driver's license about, like my motorcycle license about three months ago, four months ago. And really? yeah, so in Canada, it's a complicated thing. Like you need to do classes and on the road yeah. tests and all that stuff. The day, so I, I passed my exam on a Tuesday. On a Wednesday, I had the bike. On the one week after that, I was starting an 18 day packing trip by myself wow. with 150 pounds of gear. So oh I left for God. almost two, three weeks by myself with no experience at all. And I put about 4,000 kilometers on the bike. And that's amazing. Yeah, it was I, awesome. awesome. I learned how to ride manual bike when I bought it. Like I yeah. bought it and I was like, I, I have to ride this home now. And yeah. I don't know how to ride manual. <laughs> it's a it's you know what? i don't drive a car i don't drive a manual car i drive an automatic but mm-hmm. there is something to driving to riding a bike that you need to clutch you always need to clutch you go up you go down you brake yeah, you yeah, have yeah. your back brake you have your forward brake 
I you're so involved. I don't understand how people listen to music. I like yeah, to just well, ride, have the wind in your face. It's yeah. peaceful. It's almost meditation to me when I ride. That's true. Yeah, meditation. Yeah, I I don't listen to to music for for safety reasons. Anyway, um, yeah. you never know what may happen. I'm I'm also like I'm in Indonesia. You know, there's you can't always rely on people doing their what they're supposed to do like you may be on on the main road and someone comes out of a small street and join the main road without even looking is there someone coming is there a bus that's about to crash me you know like they just join the main road like without checking so i'm always on full alert i, I don't listen to anything but yeah it's a it's a it's a game changer I'm, i'm really happy i got it and for the price it was just I i can sell it back for the same price and it's good i wish i could ride my bike every day We, yeah. we only can ride it for like five months here because of the snow. But the, the real question I have for you, though, how the hell does your hair fit into a helmet? In the helmet. That yeah. is the so real question. That that was a struggle for for, <laughs> for a few reasons. Um, first of all, the hair as yeah. a size. Second of all, Indonesia has the shortest population in the world. All right. So everything here is small everything i mean when i go to buy like a t-shirt i look for triple xl because i am massive compared to them and and you can see me i have a skinny build like i've yeah. always been skinny my whole life but i'm um 1.185 i think that's six six foot three or something no six i don't know something 185 is uh, six foot one so you and i are six the same one. height yeah there you go so like For them, I am big. <laughs> Try to find a helmet that fits me where everything is in their sizes. Finally, I found one place that has double XL helmet and I have to put my hair in a very specific, like I, I, I let it down, but obviously when I have it down, most of the time they're on my back, you know, but when I'm putting the helmet, I have to have it on my back, but also on the sides so that there isn't like a bigger layer on the back. So the layer is like around my head. And then once I put it on and I buckle it, then I put the hair back. <laughs> that is, it's you just know how I fun. put my helmet on? <laughs> <laughs> That is the advantage of being bald. I never have to worry oh about my what my hair it, looks like. It's, it's, it's one of the very few things... Um, I've had very few moments or, or reasons why I've considered cutting my hair. Um, surfing was one of them. It was, it was just not fun. Mm. Um, it's a lot of weight. And um, cycling is, is the second one because uh, I cycle now almost every day, um, 15 to 30 kilometers, sometimes 80. But if you do a couple of hours at least, it gets heavy in that position, you know? And so I have considered it like, should I or should I not? And I don't mind cutting it. I'm not like, crazily attached to it or something but i just want to get to a point where i was like yeah okay i'm done i'm gonna cut it now and then i'll do it you just shave your head and shave your beard just to mess with would... nobody would recognize you i've promised my brother that he's gonna be the one shaving my head when when it comes to it like when the day comes i've already oh yeah with a nice that. pair of scissors because you have to at this length you just <laughs> the um i I always ask the same question before I end a podcast. I, I always, always ask the same question. If, uh, if you had the chance to speak to your 14-year-old self, what would, what would you tell him? Mm, 14-year-old. That is a good question. I know. That's why I ask it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to love animals at the time, so... I would have, what would I tell my 14-year-old self? Would be look into animal rights, um, spend, spend more time with your dad. That's it. I left Lebanon when I was 21. So um, ever since then, I only saw him two times or three times a year max. 
But the important thing is that you beat him last time you guys played chess. I did. You know, <laughs> it's funny because um, the last time I actually spent time with him, the, like the last time I was in Lebanon was in November 2020. Um, I mean, I saw him when he was in the hospital, but obviously that's not spending time. No. Um, and we were at the opening of the Animal Rights Center in Lebanon that I worked on with Lebanese Vegans, a local organization. And it's opening and I'm, I'm going to give a speech and there's a lot of people, you know. And we're sitting, so it's, it's a big center. There's two floors, you know. We're sitting downstairs in the cafe, like in the cafe area. And we weren't talking much. And he said, son, go spend time with your friends. And I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to sit here with you. And he said, Why? And I told him that when I moved to Paris, I lived with a friend of mine from Lebanon. He was in my class as well, doing architecture. We both moved to Paris to to continue our studies there. And he said, don't think of, don't think like if my dad is going to live until 80, I have 50 more years with him. Count the times you see him every year, multiply that by the years left. So I said, I said to my dad, I said, I told him this, I said, so let's say you live until you're 85. So I have around 50 more times with you, you know, cause that's 25 years. I see you twice a year. And I looked at him, I said, so whether I want it or not, I'm stuck with you here. Now I'm going to sit on this couch with you. And we both started laughing and um, yeah, that turned out to be the last time you never know. So you know what? Yeah. I was just going to say uh, just before this podcast, something post uh, something was posted on my feed where Denzel Washington says that his mother told him as a youth that always cherish the moment that you have with people because it could be the last time you see them. Yeah. yeah. And you never know. There's no way for you to know that it is the last time. So make sure exactly. to cherish it. And if you're with them, be with them. Leave your fucking phone away. <laughs> If you're, fuck sorry for the language but oh man that drives me nuts if you someone person because it might be the last time you see them yeah yeah that's true that's actually one of the reasons why i also don't like being on bad terms with people like if i have an argument or something and then we go apart i don't like it because when i was 18 um i had a girlfriend when i still lived in lebanon and we were in a bus going from the town to the city and we had a small argument in the bus and five minutes later on a downhill the bus flips sideways on our side and we slide and crash into a building massive accident like it was on the news and everything no one died thankfully um and from that day on i i never ever like to separate like go on now even if it's like someone went somewhere you know in the same city i don't care like we're gonna sit and talk this out we're like because it may be the last time that moment i could have lost her and i would have to live the rest of my life with the fact that the last thing i did with her was fight so yeah cherish the moment indeed that is a beautiful way to end it cherish the moment indeed (laughs) i cherish this moment man it was good thank you i'm I'm very, very happy. I'm going to have to thank uh, Zara for this because this, we didn't really t- talk about your uh, activism at all, but we I got to that know, another time. I got to know you. I got to uh, know the man behind the activism, which is, I'll be honest, this is always what I try to get out of people. So thank you for being uh, open. Thank you for taking the time to sit with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the podcast.